0: Get ready. Genesis does.
1: 16-bit arcade graphics. You can't do this on Nintendo. Genesis does. 16-bit sports action.
0: You can't do this on Nintendo. Genesis does.
1: Hello and welcome does. to episode 57 of does. the Sega Swing and Report Show. I'm Barry and with me is George. Hello. And we are joined by a very special guest, Tulio Gonsalves, uh, the president of Watermelon Video Games. Hello, Tulio. Hello, how are you doing? Good, we're doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. I know we just uh, reached out to you guys uh, just on Friday, so it's uh, probably the fastest turnaround for a guest we've ever had. So let's, uh, I, I just, I wanted to get right into things. You guys are working hard on Pure Solar HD um, for a, a huge amount of systems. I know it's uh, on both PC, it's also on Mac, Um Xbox One, PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, Wii U, um, and also the Sega Dreamcast, which was uh, what really excited us, and we wanted to bring you on the show to talk about that. Um, and you also had previously released it on the Sega Genesis, uh, and I actually picked up that copy. I'm looking at it right here. And um, I just I wanted to talk about what, how, how was it that you, you came to start developing games out of Iowa, of all places,
2: <laughs> yes, uh, a lot of people ask that, <clears throat> and actually I came uh, to Iowa after the development had started. Uh, when, I, when I started the development I was still living in Brazil and um, it, my partner was in France and we were developing the game together. I used to work as an IT consultant. Mm-hmm. My company got this client here in Iowa and then they, because I had uh, fluent English, they decided to send me here. And that's how I came here. And I was working for one of the big companies in the in the city of Muscatine. Okay. Um, and as the development went, we get the game release, and eventually I decided to go full-time for Watermelon. Um, but the time when we had to actually incorporate the company. I was
1: already here, so that's why the company was founded here in Muscatine. Okay, great. And um, I mean, I'm I'm from the Midwest, so I definitely, I I get people even who are surprised that people exist in the Midwest, uh, let alone <laughs> right. gaming companies. So um, I, I mean, no disrespect in that sense, but there's some, I mean, there's definitely a lot of awesome stuff coming out of Minnesota, Iowa, that whole region. Um, I'm curious uh with the inception of um pure solar, I know it was originally a uh homebrew project. I remember watching the reading the forums years ago. It was called tavern r p g correct yes and how how did that go about from becoming what it was to being a watermelon game and it was your first game too i'm assuming
2: yes um the thing is that when we began the whole idea. Was just to develop an RPG uh, because it was, it was a message board and we had a lot of people, uh, very knowledgeable people there. We had the authors of Gens, the author of Kega Fusion, uh, a lot of people who know the hardware really, really well and uh, mm-hmm. knows how to develop games they were doing technical demos like displaying 1000 colors in in the genesis and so on um, when someone came and said, let's go let's go and make a game uh, we have all these people with talent here why don't we just put it to our own entertainment mm-hmm. um, that's when we came out with that idea and then we decided to do, I took the lead. I said, yes, let's do this. I'm going to start writing a story right now. And it was more of a hobby thing. It was more of like, let's make a game with the characters that are the members of the message board. Mm -hmm. And the message name, the message board name was the tavern. That's why it became tavern RPG. I see. Okay. Yes. Uh, And then, after the game i really gained uh people um we first we gained people that were working with us and then the word spread a lot of people uh, got the knowledge about the game and decided to say, yeah, I'll be interested in playing this game and so on and so on. And uh, we just realized that if we release Tavern RPG, it will only be fun for the people in the Tavern. Mm-hmm. And that's why we decided to change it to Peer Solar. And then we came up with a whole new plot. And it
1: that's when we decided to go commercial and so on. And it began as a Mega CD game, correct?
2: Yes, yes. The whole idea with having an RPG was not just about making a game. It was to make a game that you can play on your hardware. So we thought like, well, let's make this Sega CD game because anyone can burn a CD. And if you don't have a Sega CD, you can play on the emulator. If you do, you'll be able to play on the hardware without any trouble. You just have to get a CDR and burn it. Um, it was just that we were doing the development on the emulators and we were testing and everything was going fine. And then we decided to burn a CD and see what's going on on hardware. And Mm -hmm. we were very, very excited about it. And the game started running. And then we have like this whole master slave CPU out of sync type of message. Oh man. Uh, It was like, Okay, let's try to figure this out. And and we just start, started to realize that emulators, although they can run commercial games, they are very inaccurate. And we we were doing a lot of things that are not allowed to do in the real hardware. The real hardware doesn't respond to what we were doing, and that's what we were getting all those errors. And we had to come to this very difficult decision of sacrificing the soundtrack to be able to get a working game. And uh, that 's when we decided to go and do the cartridge, but I was so like sad enough having the 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 soundtrack because that's, that was the thing that I loved the most about lunar is like you get to play a classic RPG with, with awesome music and mm-hmm. um, that 's when I came and and I tried to push uh, my my partner Gwenaël, l but we also we all call him Fonzi um, so I, I came out and I pushed Fonzie and I said is there any way that we can activate a Sega CD from the cartridge? And it's like, well, I, I think there is a way. So they, that's when we decided to experiment with that. And we, we were able to. And therefore, we released the game in a cartridge that doesn't have loading times. And we were able to have the sound coming from the Sega CD. So we got the best of both
1: worlds. I, I definitely love that feature. I burned the C D because I went for the reprint edition and it was it was like magic the first time that uh I I didn't think it worked and then the CD the Sega C D just started buzzing and the music was just beautiful. It was a really I mean I was surprised that it was even able to do that and I'm surprised Sega never actually capitalized on that by selling maybe uh C D combos with cartridges so you can maybe have like Sonic One remastered with new music. Um, hey, pretty cool. George, you had a question.
0: Um, yeah, I wanted to know uh, why did you choose to put it on the mass? I mean, well, on the on the Mega Drive or the Genesis, instead of putting it on like, a, well, even right now you're doing it on the Sega Dreamcast. It's like, you get, do you have like a soft spot for Sega consoles? I'm assuming instead of like a Nintendo console or any other retro console.
2: Yes, definitely. It, it is my favorite system of all time. Uh, It's what I grew up playing, and I I really, I do love it, and the other people who were involved in the project also, we were big fans of the Sega Genesis. Um, But the the message board in which the game was born was essentially a retro console talk, and although it had focus in, it it had general material about most consoles, all the time. It, it had the kind of focus on the Sega scene. Uh, most of the people that were participating in that board, they were Sega uh, fans of some kind. So when we we decided to use that knowledge, all the people that were coming uh, towards making the game, uh, I think Sega was an obvious choice just because everybody there is so uh, so much fan of the the system so it, it was a thing that made sense back back then
1: i was i was wondering um when when you're first approaching a game i mean obviously like george was saying you know like why would you choose a retro console versus maybe just throwing it out there on ios or steam do you do you find that a lot more people pay attention to your games when they are on uh more of a i wouldn't say a niche console but like a retro console like the dreamcast and the mega drive as opposed to putting it out there with with all the uh, other games on a, you know, a more modern, bigger scale like that, if that question makes sense.
2: <laughs> well, it does. And I think I have to uh, concur, <laughs> agree to you that um, if, if we had released Pure Solar on iOS, let's say, We had the very, very high risk of just being another game in a sea of games that come out every day. Um, Coming out for the Sega Genesis 1 was not a marketing strategy, but it actually worked as such because... When people got a hold of the news, 2010, a new Sega Genesis has been released. It's an RPG. It's like full, like 40 plus hours of gameplay. It's not just another uh, homebrew game. It's an actual full-fledged commercial-grade game. Um, It it caught the attention. Uh, There is, I think... Just as much as me, there's a lot of fans of the system that are still there, a lot of people that grew up playing that or saw their big brothers growing up playing those, or big sisters, Um, and they they just, like, got excited about the whole thing, and we got news published in uh, big websites, and that raised more awareness. So that helped, absolutely helped. And would Pure Solar be, have been as successful had we released directly, let's say, Xbox Live? Well, there is a chance. Um, when we released uh, Pure Solar, that was this starting to, to pick up, it was starting to pick up this wave of retro-style RPGs, you know, or not just retro-style RPGs, retro-style games in general for modern systems know that's what, that's when uh, all those games, like Super Meat Boy and Fez and uh, breath of Breath of Death, all those games were coming out, and I think we had a good chance still if we had a release directly for a modern platform mm-hmm. it's just a matter of being lucky to get the attention and people buy and talk about it i I call it the Angry Birds effect. <laughs> Because it's a game that could be just one more game, but it just, you know, people bought it, talk about it, and other people start buying just because their friends had it and so on and so on, it happens. But we we would be much more at the mercy of luck um, than just our own uh, ability to make games because there's a lot of games coming out every day, so it's hard to get noticed.
1: Uh, George, you had another question?
0: Um, yeah, I wanted to ask for, like, people that wanted to work on, like, retro console games they are listening to this. Uh, how many people and how much, like, what would you suggest for them to do? Like, you know, what is how to start? And, like, how big was your team that did the Genesis uh, game?
2: Okay, um, well, what I can say is, I. Uh, if you want to start developing a game and if you want it to be released on the actual platform there is a lot of work and research to be done and there is a lot of logistics involved in manufacturing products and such uh it's it's not easy um it, we you have you really have to to do a lot of research and then find the right manufacturers, the right components. In our case, we had a lot of work in just in creating the plastic parts and, and even the screw, those nice game bit screws, they are not manufactured anymore. You had to find a factory, send the engineering drawings, and then they will manufacture based on that. It's crazy. But we had all that passion and we did it. Now, I think it's really a lot a lot of effort that you have to know that you're going to have to put down a lot of nights, a lot of free time, weekends, holidays. It doesn't, you don't finish the game. If you don't have a hundred percent dedication and if you don't have a hundred percent commitment and the people that are on board with you had the same spirit, because you asked me how many people were involved. Well, I think in the end, we probably had close to a hundred people that, did something somehow. But there were eight people who were really on it, like dedicated, working, coding, building, um, doing something that was really relevant and dedicating their time as much as we were. It's like every night when you get home, you eat something and you go straight to the computer and then you stay there until after midnight and then weekends, you just program since you you wake up, until you go to sleep, and so on. Um, Finding this type of people is hard, especially when they're not getting paid anything. Their only reward is going to be able to get the game in the end. The game that they have been playing and testing for (laughs) over a a few years. So it gets to the point where if you don't really love what you're doing, uh, it's very hard to get by i don't know if i digress too much but, no no uh, that
1: and i mean that makes a lot of sense too just coming from us doing a fan site we we've been doing segabits for close to four years now and i mean we really we really don't see much of out, out of it monetarily aside from maybe the occasional review copy but uh, yeah it's uh it's, it definitely you need to have a lot of love involved in order to to get these things done um, i was i was curious um did you meet any major delays in making the Genesis version? I know uh delays are nothing new to um indie Sega games, especially Dreamcast games, but um how how did the scheduling go? Did it meet did you did you meet what you thought you would meet?
2: Well, we missed the original deadline by over 2 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the thing is like we kind of underestimated the task at first. We thought that, all right, we're gonna get this game done uh, in a year. Mm-hmm. So it's just about like getting the graphics, typing the text, and that's it. The game is done. In reality, it is not that simple, of course. And uh, Fonzie estimated that we would be done by uh, November. 2008, and then we started to do the sales on September, I think,
1: mm-hmm.
2: or was it October? But anyway, we started to do the sales, I think in October, and to to release the game in, in December. And then we obviously missed that terribly. Um, when, we, when we missed it, we just say, okay, we are delayed. We'll let you know when it's going to be done and no more like it's going to be this date or that date because we we are not sure. And luckily, people who were pre-ordering since 2008 didn't cancel their pre order so we had <laughs> capital to finish. Yeah. Uh, well, almost. We had to put a little bit of hours, but... Uh, we, we could get to the end of the, of the development, we could get the game released, and uh, there were cancellations, of course, but it was not significant. Out of all the thousands of orders that we had, we had just a few, like maybe uh, less than 5% cancelling, you know, yeah. so it, it was okay. Now, um, the thing that a lot of people don't realize is how complex and time-consuming it is to do pixel art and animate pixel art yeah. if you want it to look good, because there is always uh, some thresholds that you can do it and you're not going to spend as much time. But um, the way the way we were designing the graphics, um, we actually got a criticism for one person who was saying that we were trying to emulate the Super Nintendo too much. Mm-hmm. But it was pretty much like this uh, Sega versus Nintendo in the beginning And that would say, "Let we're going to do it. We're going to do the mode 7. We're going to make the game look like a Super Nintendo game because uh, Genesis does. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, so let's, that's, we have all that, that inspiration, and then we have to work a lot on the graphics to get them to look good. And obviously, by looking good, I mean looking good on a CRT. Mm -hmm. because if you play the game on lcd it's not the same thing um you will see the pixels you will see the the tricks that we do to emulate uh non-existing palette colors and so on um but on the crt I, I think it looks just right, just what we want it to. But it takes a lot of time. It consumes a lot of time. And then better testing the game, it's another thing that caused a bit of delay because we think, oh, yeah, one month testing, we're going to get it done. It took over three months wow. of testing. So um, all those things, they, they add up in the end. But we have this very supportive community, and we have that... Uh, memorable phrase from uh, Lunar, let's say the delays are temporary and mediocrity is forever. Mm -hmm. And I think people understand that and they support us and they say, get the game done, get it right. Instead of like deliver a half-baked game. So in the end, everything worked well.
1: Yeah. I mean, just, just opening up the package, you can see all the love that went into it. You don't even need to play the game to see just, the effort involved. The instruction booklet was beautiful. I remember there was a poster, stickers. Um, and like you said, I, I didn't even know you actually went to the effort of making the little screws for the the cartridge. That's pretty impressive. Um, when developing for the Genesis, you were saying that there was a lot of back and forth with like the SNES and the Genesis people. Do you feel, though, that when developing for the Genesis, in the end it just ends up looking like a Genesis game because you're making it on a Genesis? <laughs> As opposed to, um, I know there are a lot of RPGs and games out there on iOS that claim to be, you know, like, oh, it's a 16-bit style game. But, of course, they're working with hardware that can do much more than 16-bit. If anything, they're holding back. Do you feel like you you weren't holding back? You were really pushing the hardware and the graphics to the points yes. that you wanted to.
2: Yes, I think I think we did uh, as much as we could possibly do. There was just um, one element of the game that were the the full screen cutscenes that we originally designed those showing more than sixty four colors, which is the limit. Uh, on-screen colors that the Genesis can do in the demo you can see those Um, but when we started doing the actual final game and then we had the character redesign in the process and the number of cutscenes and the quality of finishing that we needed to get them all looking good was just so much that we had to do this decision is let's just work with the limitations. just just work with 32 colors. Uh, and at least we get all the cutscenes in rather than have uh, a few looking good, but not showing a lot of them in the game. Yeah. So that's the only piece. But as far as the graphics go, we did all the tricks that we could to make them looking good and then to use the the hardware to our advantage to show things that are not very common, like uh, reflections on the ground, Uh, shadows uh, casting, show objects casting shadows, and stuff like that, you know, and the shadows affecting the characters, all those things. Like we really, we really did all that we could. And then there's obviously the uh, Mode Seven, mm-hmm. which is that 3D scene that you you have a mini game and you have uh, a vehicle that you can drive, a kind of Final Fantasy VI style, you know. Um, that it was that was really. A lot of work to do and, and a lot of work to improve the performance because it was a bit slow in the beginning. But then we got uh, Steve Snake working on it, and he is really good in assembler, and he could get the the that part of the game with a good performance
1: and looking the way you guys know how it looks. So.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and you know now now that the Genesis one's out, you. Did you immediately start work on Pure Solar HD, or was there some breathing time? Was there some time for you to catch your breath um, to focus on other projects?
2: Yes and no. Um, Yes, because as soon as I got the game released, I started doing the XNA port. That's for Xbox 360. Um, And I started doing that port, but eventually I got caught up in other things to do and... Uh Piercelo was released, and we were talking about like producing more units and uh, we were talking about what what are new games that we 're going to do and um, when I left the team, Fonzi left the team, and we were kind of with this restructuring process like how are we going to manage without him? He is the main programmer who 's going to do the programming now how are we going to figure out how are we going to abandon? Um, the the genesis and let's just focus on, on new games that w- we all can program for that um, it, it was there was a, a gap I don't know of six months in which it, there wasn't really uh, a lot of development going on there was a, a lot of concept development but not a lot of development going on but then after like six or seven months Fonzie uh, contacted me again and we started talking about the Macho Game Factory, which is our website and the concept of how we make games with the opinions of people, you know, and we decided to launch the website. He decided to come back to the company and then that's when we we were uh, working on that concept because it was going to be what would drive our next game development. And the Metro Game Factory came online, line and then we came with Project Y and uh, Project Y was uh, very interesting to see a lot of people wanted a beat up game and we were very excited about the idea. We decided to use the input to design the concepts. Um, and then uh, we decided to run a Super Nintendo. Development. So a lot of people uh, got excited about it because you don't, you don't hear as much as um, retro development for the Super Nintendo as much as you hear for the Sega Genesis. So a lot of people was kind of excited, happy to to join, give their opinion and get it, get it going. And then later on in 2012, that's when the talks about doing Pure Solar, uh, begin again because by the end of two thousand eleven, I got uh, in touch with uh, Chewy, which is a uh, Dreamcast developer that developed a few. It, he developed a few emulators like uh, gens for all and SNES for all. He has a few emulators with those names, and he he was up to developing our game for Dreamcast, but that was going to be a straight port. Uh, 100% new code and it was going to be used the same graphics and was going to be uh, be using the same graphics and everything. Um, in the end of 2012, Fonzi decided to come to the United States and stay here for a few months. And when he came here, because I had this contact with him every day, I kind of pitched him the Dreamcast stuff and and then he started talking about new graphics and so on and how much those graphics were going to cost and I was like wow there's no way we can raise that kind of money anytime soon if we don't, we don't put a lot of projects out and uh, that's when Kickstarter idea came out and then we, we decided to try this okay let's see if we can raise the money if we can do it we can hire professionals to do the graphics and we can actually leverage the development that was being done for Dreamcast uh, to the other platforms like PC and Android and Xbox 360. Um, so that's how we did it. Um, we we just launched the Kickstarter campaign, it worked, and as soon as it worked we just jump into the development and essentially it began in 2013. So that Peercell HD, the whole idea is uh, fairly new.
1: So you, okay. you really got moving on it and really got it out quickly. That's that's surprising.
0: Uh, my question, George. You had a question? Yeah, I do have a question. I was going to ask. Uh, you have a Dreamcast version. You have a Genesis version. Is there a reason why you guys skip the Sega Saturn?
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> the reason is because no one uh, really mastered the system, um, and, and Sega doesn't offer support anymore so if we were going to do a, a sega saturn we were probably going to sit out for five years just to get the thing working a sega saturn is complex um it's nothing beyond our ability our ability it's just that without having sega behind us with the actual SDK, with the actual uh documentation and have, like substantial material and substantial support it would just take too long, it would be too complex.
0: Um, my uh, my other question was going to be like, you guys ever talk about doing like a Master System version either? Like, just hit as many consoles as you can that has Sega on it?
2: Well, uh, a Master System game is something that we have discussed many times, not Pure Solar, though. Uh, I think some things that we do on Pure Solar would be overkill for the Master System. Um, the way our engine works, we don't—we essentially don't have anything hard coded. It's everything is content driven. If uh, you were able to uh, get into the get in, into Pure Solar and replace all the assets by new assets, and replace the scripts by new scripts, you get a full new game without having to compile the engine itself. Um, and that is something that even Steve Snake, when he saw that, like, are you guys interpreting script? On the fly yes He's like you guys are crazy all those games are hard-coded and i'm like yeah <laughs> well we thought that was the right way to do it, so we did it <laughs> and I, for master system that would be that would be impossible but I, I don't know i like the master system almost as much as the sega genesis it was the first uh, 8-bit console that i had and or if you discount the atari 2600 that it is technically 8-bit but it's a generation earlier right but um so i i I play fantasy star a lot i love the rpgs you know but i think for master system we probably should be a little more humble and do something more uh simpler than trying to go on with pure solar for it because that would be too tough
1: well isn't the master system was incredibly popular in your home country correct yes yes i think it's still being sold (laughs) What was that like living? It, it's like an alternate. Whenever I hear those stories, it's like an alternate universe where the master system was the king. What was that like growing up? Um, uh, not to get too far off topic, but I'm interested. Uh,
2: Sega was really uh, smart in Brazil because we didn't have an official uh, support of 8-bit systems back there, and they they got in touch with TechToy, which was a, a company that had a lot of influence with electronics, in um they just did a very aggressive marketing campaign they were on tv they had like a tech toy sega show uh, and they had a lot of commercials everywhere it, it was just like a lot of hype and then the magazines started to to come up with all those video game magazines and they had a lot of ad- advertisement and a lot of reviews and um that's how they they really uh conquer the market back there because you you had the NES clones but you didn't really have Nintendo presence there. It was only until it was only when the Super Nintendo was probably two years on the market already like around 93. I'm not very sure about the date but it was only around that time when they actually entered officially the Brazilian market working with another large uh, electronics company Mm -hmm. so back then when Nintendo came out there was a lot of Sega fans and there was a lot of people who were fans of Super Nintendo because of Street Fighter and so on so it was really real console wars um, and it was really interesting uh, to see like I was so like Sega fanboy forever you know I would I would join the army for them, you know. (laughs)
1: Good
2: to hear. (laughs) Uh, I was really, really passionate back then and um, I had friends that were equally passionate about the Super Nintendo and we were going to get into very long arguments and get mad at each other, like trying to prove my system is better than yours and so on. Uh, It was was a really fun time. I miss those times when there were differences between the systems in which you could say well look at this game here and this game there this one is so much better this one is so much faster you know we had that now these days those the, the systems are so similar yeah. and you can't tell those differences
1: anymore at most we have uh, uh, the 1080p 720p war which is pretty boring in my opinion um, yeah, okay. But speaking of resolutions the the Dreamcast version it's going to have a lot of uh, exclusive features um, can you tell us what the resolution will be for the Dreamcast version?
2: We are working with native uh, 480p. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have the 480i, if you have the the regular composite or whatever cable, mm-hmm. um, if you have the VGA boxes 480p, um, there is, ways to implement higher resolutions on a Dreamcast. You can go, I think, 800, 600 is possible. You can go even higher than that. The problem is the CD. Mm. Um, if the more resolution you have, the bigger the graphic assets have to be. And they take up space. Uh, it's a lot of space. <laughs> and uh, there's not much on the CD. Um, there, There are no more gd roms anymore so it's impossible to manufacture them i i don't think even sega has the technology anymore so we have to work with the limitations that a cd can offer uh, there are some talks that we can have a hundred, maybe 150 meg cds it's unconfirmed we are testing stuff but i yeah that's, that's exactly
1: why asked. i asked i've heard
2: <laughs> yes if we can get uh Even if we we can get that much, I don't think we can fit a 100 by 600 graphics on the Dreamcast. So we are working with a native resolution. Uh, The thing that the Dreamcast will offer, and we are actually working on that now, is the widescreen simulation. So the widescreen simulation, essentially, you cannot change the 4 by 3 on the Dreamcast, but you can uh, letterbox it and make it look like a white screen. And then you use your TV zoom to make it big and then you will have, the picture will fill your screen.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, You will probably lose a little bit in the picture quality or, or sharpness but you'll be able to fill your screen if you have a plasma TV or something and, and so keep awesome. the proportion without stretching anything. So that's one of the things that we are doing. Uh, VMU, we have a mini game for uh, the VMU. So if you have Pierce Solar, you'll be able to download the game into your VMU. Um, if you just want to use a VMU in your controller, uh, that is a f- uh, special feature that we have. It's like... Uh, like a little radar that shows you where the chests are. So it will uh, add information. It's not just going to be static showing the logo of the game. Uh, and, yeah, those are the main things I think uh, the Dreamcast
1: has. Um, so the widescreen, is, is that locked in, or is that something you're still testing with?
2: Uh, we're still working on it, but it, it's my personal goal i'm not gonna give up (laughs) okay
1: yeah i I love i love any dreamcast game that has the widescreen even if it's not like you said true widescreen it looks it looks great especially in vga i was playing wacky races last week and it looks really good um we have some reader questions if you don't mind uh uh, in the sky he actually was the one who gave us all the questions (laughs) given uh how quickly uh, we got to getting to this we didn't get that many questions out there but There's some good ones. Um, He was wondering, have you played any other games out there recently or in the past couple of years that scratch the same itch as Pure Solar seems to, or does the team have some unexpected tastes? (laughs) I guess he's asking if there are any similar games out there.
2: Um, I haven't had much time to play games, and honestly, what I did all these last years was play God of War over and over just because that was the first 3D game that really made me restore the faith that video games can still be fun in 3D. Um, and I play a lot of Assassin's Creed. I play, a lot, play all, all of them. I'm currently going through Assassin's Creed 4. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also play uh, games that are a lot of fun, like Claw Bear Kingdom, Toki Tori, um, Mighty Switch Force, The Cave, um, The New Deck Tales, Castle of Illusion. You know, it, it mm-hmm. kind of started looking like
1: retro style. <laughs> anyway. yeah. What did you yeah. think of Castle of Illusion?
2: Uh, it looks cool. I don't think it tops the Mega Drive version, but... <laughs> yeah. It, it looks cool. It, it's just like it's just like with Ducktales. It it felt too easy somehow.
1: <laughs> it was a very easy game.
2: Yeah, I I don't know. It it felt like it's nice, but something missing. I, it's hard to explain. I enjoy mm-hmm. I enjoy I playing the game. It was fun. I actually got my wife engaged, but. Um, yeah, it yeah. feels it, it feels like something
1: was missing. Yeah. Um, did you have you gotten a chance to play any other indie Dreamcast games that are out there right now? I only played Last Hope.
2: Uh, That's a good game. Yeah, and it was because in the beginning of the idea of the Dreamcast development, we got in touch with Red Spot Games, and they sent me a copy of Last Hope so they could see the quality of their packaging, and they they do good work. Um, it 's just that it was very hard to align um, how the development would go with them and to find the developers that were really interested in doing it and we we try we try a few options and it just never fully clicked mm-hmm. but um Unfortunately, the same reason why I haven't played a lot of games recently is I, most of my time I'm <laughs> here working on Pure Solo HD, so um, I, I wish I could be playing all of those, and
1: hopefully yeah. after the game is done, I'm going to have a salary again, <laughs> I'll be able to afford those things. <laughs> nice, yeah. Um, on the subject of packaging, are you going for the CD case design then, or the DVD case? The CD, okay. CD,
2: uh, no questions. Um, The same, you just have to look up here, so the Mega Drive packaging, (laughs) that's what we're going to do. We are even uh, studying how to do the European Dreamcast box, which is something that it's completely out of standard. And we did a lot of patent research, it doesn't seem to be patented, but we still as usual, trying to contact SEGA, make sure that they clear, they say, oh yeah, if you do it, whatever. So mm-hmm. That's what they did for Pure Solar. They pretty much say, uh, we cannot license you guys because SEGA Genesis doesn't exist, but um, if you guys do it, we're not going to say anything. And they didn't. So <laughs> uh, I actually got the opportunity to meet uh, SEGA guys who no, Pierce Solar, who played Pier Solar, and they all admire what we did. So I'm very happy for that. <laughs> I just wish that we we had had the opportunity to make it official, but
1: mm-hmm. you know, it's okay.
0: Yeah,
1: it looks official. George, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, did you add another question?
0: Uh, I was actually gonna. Well, we could finish off in Sky's questions if you want. Oh, absolutely. I actually had. um uh,
1: another package related one. Um real quick. I'm I'm actually considering getting the Japanese version. I missed out on the Kickstarter, unfortunately. I, I feel so ashamed telling you that. But um the the Japanese version, is that going to be entirely in Japanese, the booklet?
2: I think we're gonna probably do the same thing that we did for Pierce Solar. Um we're gonna have a universal booklet uh in English. Okay. And then we're gonna have the quick instructions for the other languages um, you haven't seen or, or you don't have it, but maybe you've seen um the the original classic the collector's edition of yes. Uh and then we have this huge paper that you uh, unfolded and it has all the um the languages and everything um, but we will incorporate artwork There is Japanese style for the Japanese one. Um, it, it will be a Japanese style box.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: possibly possibly we can get the texts on the back in Japanese as well, but I'm, I'm not sure I can get the whole manual in
1: Japanese. That's, that's quite all right. I, I was actually, it's just something I noticed with a lot of the German developed games, their manuals are in Japanese. And it always kind of bothers me because I feel like, not to be you know, against Japanese, but I'd like to understand the manual, too. I'd like to know the game's story. I have Germans selling games to America in Japanese. It's a little a little messed up. I don't know. <laughs> but that's interesting. Um, George?
0: Um, the game started development in 2004. Like, How was the industry, like the gaming industry, compared to how it is now since it's been 10 years? I
2: can definitely say that back then there was no retro wave. Back then, it was all 3D, 3D, and um, I think that's when the FPS were starting to pick up. And then after FPS pick up, they would have this wave of FPS games. And then the zombie thing came up, and now we have a lot of zombie games. Um, But back then, there was no real retro wave, and uh, what we were doing was actually something quite unique, like designing the game in the... In the original RPG style, um, '90s RPG Japanese style also, because a lot of homebrew development are tends to go Western style, but I play a lot of Western RPGs and they just don't catch me the same way. And I think I think right now. Uh, The main difference is that you can go everywhere. You can go on PSN, you can go Xbox Live, you can go with Steam, you can go everywhere and get a lot of big wave of retro style games like we do. Another very important thing that we didn't have back then and we do now is independent developers. A lot of independent developers out there, and um, it became a subsection of the industry. or a section of the industry uh, that independent developers are taking are being taken seriously by Sony, by Microsoft, and by Nintendo, and that's that's really nice. Uh, it really opens up the possibilities for so many things. Uh, I I like to say that a lot of people uh, confuse indie indie or independent with homebrew and it's not quite the same thing. Uh, independent just means that we don't need a publisher. We can do everything on our own and because we don't need a publisher we have independence to design the games the way we think they they are going to be enjoyed the most and not by the way that the big publishers say oh, if we don't do like this it's not going to sell so we are not going to approve this concept. Yeah. So. It's it's uh, a thing that we have now, this independence to get great games like Super Meat Boy, <laughs> awesome. that are crazy fun, and it can get into a major platform. So... I think uh that's one of the biggest changes since then and uh the the mere fact that we were able to pitch our game get kickstarter and that's another thing that didn't exist back then and exists now like you can actually get funding without being debt that's the most awesome thing in the world um, so mm-hmm. We have all those things going on, and then it just opens up a possibility for a lot of people that have a lot of creativity just never had the opportunity of getting in, into an industry that was pretty much very tough to get into. And I, I think that th- those are the major differences, and I think it's much better now than it was then.
0: Um, another thing about your guys' game, it's, uh, it's knowing because you guys use your own RPG engine that you guys developed, what made you guys... Th- you know, go that route instead of using like RPG game maker or game maker or another, like you just already made software.
2: There are two reasons I would say. Um, I would not I, w- I will not lie to say that RPG Maker inspired me. Because when I was doing Pure Solar, when the game development began, I was toying a lot with RPG Maker 2000. So <laughs> it, it did inspire us, at least in the way that we make, made our tools. You know, our map editors, our event-driven stuff. There was a lot of inspiration RPG Maker scripts and such. But um, the major two reasons, I would say, is first... Uh, Games made on engines like that, they they tend to look alike. And we want to have our own visual identity. We don't want to have a game that looks like the other game with a different theme and so on. Like RPG Maker back then, for instance, you could not have turn-based battles without that active thing like Final Fantasy. And that was always a big no-no to me. Uh, I know... A lot of people love it, but I just get so anxious, like when I'm trying to search the menus for the right command and I hit the wrong commands because, like, if you don't choose them fast, the enemies are attacking you and so on. So <laughs> um, that that's one thing. Like, you, I, we didn't want our game to to be like looking like other games and having to implement the features that were in a box rather than the feature that we wanted to implement. Um, another thing is. If you depend on an engine like that if you have you have like if the engine specification change or if they cease to exist you don't have support you can't implement new features or if they change something they say now we're gonna ask for royalties for everything that you sell made with our engine and so on and so on Uh, it's a very it's not a very nice way to begin because you you're all tied up to something else. You don't have independence. You don't have uh, flexibility to do things that you, the way you want. So that's why we thought like we we could develop the engine um, ourselves. And obviously uh, that that was no RPG maker or game maker for the second Genesis. Then <laughs> we we would have to end up developing something anyway. But even if we if we were making it for a PC, we would definitely have done our own engine to give us the freedom that we wanted. Uh,
0: my next question was going to be, uh, right now there's a lot of uh, big game studios, I guess, having trouble financially, like uh, irrational games just closed down. And do uh, you, you think that you guys were so successful because you guys kept your team small? And that was, that's what... Uh,
2: that certainly helps. Um, I was... I was making some calculations, like to have ten people, uh, ten people working, like uh, on salary, it's about one million dollars a year. <laughs> so you yeah. have to be really careful. You can spend money really quickly, and and when you when you're working with developing games, um, I I, us- I usually like to say that video games they have the same. Uh, It's it's like cinema interactive, you have have all the arts involved, you have uh, graphical art, you have writing art, you have music art, you have interaction, acting, direction, it's the whole thing. And when you start hiring people that are professionals, they are very expensive. it, one of the reasons is one of the reasons that we suffered a delay on PSOLA HD was this: uh, um, we spend like three months trying trying to hire someone, and we cannot, just cannot find the people to be hired. Uh, at least, uh, not the people, the right people. You know, we we do get a lot of applications, but it's it wasn't the stuff that we were looking for. So we, we look looked for for a while until we could find the people that could do the job. And uh, even that took a lot of adjustment to get uh, the style right. And and when we did, uh, many months had passed, and okay, now we have to really like do this, you know, and and it took a lot of work. And uh, luckily I was able to negotiate for a fixed price. So when I got got the studio that's doing the graphic art, um, we negotiate for a fixed price so we don't have to to incur in more expenses for each month that we delay. Now, had we hired a staff uh, every day that they come, they are charging. It's, like, it's not like they're going to say, oh yeah, no, because we delay, you don't have to pay me. It just doesn't work like that. So uh, you you, do, you can spend a lot of money in, in a while if you have a large team. But also with video games, I think, there's a lot of uh, marketing involved and marketing is expensive. Uh, like I was saying, I think we were lucky because we did the Sega Genesis and we got a lot of attention. If we wanted to get the same attention uh, releasing on mobile, like iOS or Android, we would have to have done a lot of marketing and that would have cost a lot of money. Um, and if you have publishers it also complicates a lot too because publishers can eat a lot of your income so um you you will not earn as much as you were expecting to and if you have bills to pay it, it gets complicated so um it, it it's a, it's a tough industry in I wouldn't say that we are successful yet. I would only say we are successful after we release Peer Solar and we get uh, all the investment back. We can um, get all the uh, get the game to sell enough to be able to fund another game.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's when I would say yes, uh, we were successful. Right now, we are just doing um, according to the established parameters, like Mr. Data would say.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, if if uh, If we just uh, do it right and we we can get the game released and we get the attention we get the game selling, we can fund new games, and those games do well, and I think um, we would we will get there, but I think all this year that we had with the limited budget from Kickstarter, um, it kind of taught us how to manage the money in order to to keep it cheap yet keep it good and like you say keep the team small uh there are uh, many uh great developers uh that, like japanese developers i forgot the name japanese developers from the 90s that they still have like uh oh yeah treasure they still have uh a staff of 30 people <laughs> so um it, you don't have to have like a huge staff in order to make game. You just have to have the right motivated motivated people. And then um, the rest is just about like having a good product and getting people to know about it.
1: And people will be knowing about it soon. I know you're in the home stretch. Do you have any idea of when you're going to be completing the game and releasing it?
2: Our target is end of April. Uh, I, I'm very positive about that so far. Uh, our graphics are coming now because it was many months developing the graphics, and now finally they are coming, finished, and I'm being able to being able to insert them in the game and try them, and and that's that's why it took me so long to make that Steam video because I had all the graphics being developed, and nothing was done yet. Mm-hmm. Now all the things are being done at the same time, so okay, now I have enough material to make a Steam video and then take some screenshots and get the green light going. Um, and uh, But I'm very positive because I'm seeing the things coming together. The engine is very solid. I open up the beta applications uh, so that I can start the beta testing. Uh, there's not as much things to test as there was when we released the original game because uh, the the script is mostly the same with a few additions, and the engine pretty much works like the Sega Genesis version.
1: That's
2: good. So um, hopefully everything will, will go well, and we're gonna get uh, approved because we have to sub- when we submit the concepts, they have to be uh, f- they have to get a final approved. When we get a final approved, we we'll get a release date, and then we're gonna say okay, it's gonna be. I don't know, April thirty or whatever. Mm -hmm.
1: And um, can you give us any updates on Project Y? I know that's something that Fonzie is overseeing, not yourself.
2: It's true. Uh, It is true. Since he left the office, uh, I I don't get as much news from him as I would like to. But um, I've been... uh, I got a few screenshots that he sent to me, and um, basically all the stages are are done. It's uh, the sprite animations is what's holding the project back. Um, there are a lot of enemies there. We, we try to design the game that would live up to Streets of Rage 2 and 3. But somehow I forget about 3, I don't know why, I think mm-hmm. it's the music. Yeah. Um, so we, we, we have to design a game that will live up to that game, uh, musically, gameplay-wise, and graphically-wise. So uh, we need the enemy diversity. We need um, animations that are well done. And it takes a while to get those done, and I know that's what's holding the project back. I think there's a few enemies that weren't weren't done yet, and they're being done right now. Mm -hmm. The music is already done. I have like 55 tracks, I think. I don't know if they're all going to make to the game, but there is a lot of music in the game. Uh, And the music is awesome. I think Yuzu Koshiro will cry when he hears it. (laughs)
1: Yes, nice. that's how good I think it is. It, it's really good. <laughs> wow, definitely looking forward to that. Are we going to see any pure solar like cameos or Easter eggs in Project Y?
2: I don't know. Um, I wish I knew. Fonzie <laughs> never spoke to me about it. and it, it, I, I think at least on the like graffiti art or something, we're probably going to have something go on some, uh, at least. A logo or something I don't know <laughs> but I, I'm not sure about that yet
1: nice well I want to thank you so much for coming on and joining us this has been a great discussion learning a lot about both the Dreamcast and the Genesis games um, George is there anything else that you wanted to add no that's it all right great well uh Tulio we look forward to the release of the game we wish you luck in completing it and um you know once it's out and people have played it uh, we'd love to have you back on and maybe discuss more of the uh, story and gameplay uh, of the Dreamcast version if you'd be interested
2: yes absolutely yes and thank you very much for this opportunity uh, anytime you guys want to join discuss um, it doesn't have to be watermelon related <laughs> or whatever just uh, let me know absolutely um, uh, the only thing I would just uh, like to ask, if possible, is just that whoever's listening, uh, go to Greenlight and vote yes for Pure Solar. We need all the votes that we can get.
0: We will link to that on the description, and if you're looking at this on YouTube, in the description of the YouTube video. Yes, for the Greenlight. definitely. Oh, amazing.
1: And we'll tweet it on all our social networks, so we'll, we'll definitely get the word out there for you. I'm really looking forward to the game, and it's been uh, just great speaking with you. Thank you so much.
2: All right. My pleasure.
1: All right. Take care. Thanks. Well, thanks again, Tulio, for joining us. And for those who stuck in there and didn't skip till the end, because we, we know you have no ability to do that on YouTube or on iTunes, uh, we have the four winners of the Sega Tomo Mobile iPhone case giveaway. Um, so without further ado, here they go. The first winner is Franco JMR. Um, and he, he posted, he sent us a few pictures. Uh, one was him in front of uh, projections of Sonic the Hedgehog. It was kind of trippy. But um, I, I actually picked a picture that um, it was a little grainy, a little blurry, but he was talking into a Genesis controller like a phone. And I thought, he's he's hitting all the marks. It's creative. It's simple. He wasn't going all crazy. I can see, actually, a Moonwalker poster in the background. So that's, that's a plus. What,
0: that's what, don't lie. That's what got you, the Moonwalker poster.
1: No, actually, what, what got me was I was a big fan of the Nokia N-Gage. And it reminded me of talking into a Nokia N-Gage. Did you so, own a Nokia N-Gage when it came out? No, but my local game store has one. And I've I've... Looked at it. It's like 70 bucks. I don't know what the guy's thinking. It's selling a, a cell phone that does not function anymore for $70. So,
0: uh, so you never owned one when it came out?
1: No, unfortunately. I was too poor to own a Nokia N Gauge. But uh, Franco JMR, he is going to win, I believe, the Mega Drive case. Yes, he is winning the Mega Drive case. Uh, so congratulations to him. Our second winner is Nat0, N A T T 0. He sent us a photo. It was a uh, little bouquet of Sega things. There's a Genesis, <laughs> Saturn. He uh, actually has yeah, the Dreamcast and another Genesis, and just a lot of good games. There's nothing in that picture that I dislike, which uh, I'm l- is
0: positive. I'm looking, I'm looking for something to hate on, but I can't, so yeah. Sonic's
1: on something, like a t-shirt or something. I can't tell what it is, yeah. so Maybe maybe I hate that.
0: Maybe, but I can't see it. So
1: yeah, maybe I hate that I can't see it. So he <laughs> has won the Sega Saturn case because I see a Saturn on the picture. Um,
0: okay, so you see a, you see the console, and I'm giving him that one. That's how I'm deciding it. And you'll
1: def, since we have two Genesis cases left, uh, the first Genesis case goes to E R 1 K S, Eric's. I remember the day when you could read. Is that an I? You could read people's names, but now, now, uh, thanks to the okay. internet, everyone's like a barrio de one two four. But um, yes, Eric's one. He has an insane collection. He's standing in front of.
0: Uh, yeah, that's that's ridiculous. It's like a library say goodness. He says he's five away
1: from a complete U.S. set. Um, of uh, Genesis. Of Genesis games, yeah. Wow. Um, and if you follow his Instagram, you can see his the work that he's putting into that room. It's pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, it's so, like it's complete collection. I'm not we're not talking like just the game cartridge. It's like complete.
1: Yeah. So I mean, whenever I approach these contests, I'm like, well, I got I should help out the little guys, the guys who can only afford like a couple games. And but at the same time, you gotta you gotta show respect for people who have insane collections like this. So he's getting a Genesis case so he can finally play all those games on his uh, Genesis iPhone case, assuming that's how they work. Uh, <laughs> the fourth and final is Epon pon Boogaloo. That one I can kind of read. E- E-P-O-N Boogaloo. And he posted, he looks like he's a little boy. Uh, no, it's actually a retro picture from 1992. Oh. And he is, like, shitting his pants holding a... Genesis. Uh, I want to say that's the model two, correct? It's yes. model
0: two, yeah.
1: I never owned one. I don't think I've ever played one either. But um, the model two? Yeah, I have a model one. I've, I've. I'm an old man.
0: Yeah, I've. I prefer the model one, but the, I. Uh, my cousins used to own the model two later on, and it, uh, it was fine, I guess. I didn't like the model three though.
1: No, oh, that one's. That one sucked. Didn't the model two? I mean, look at this kid's face. He doesn't care about which model he's getting. He's getting he Sonic two modeled in. Yeah,
0: he's ready. He's ready to pop in that uh, Sonic the Hedgehog too.
1: And he didn't. I'm sure he ripped that box open, and I'm sure the box doesn't exist anymore.
0: No, I'm um, pretty
1: sure. I'd actually, I'd like to have a follow-up photo of him holding whatever remnants are left from that console. I'm sure it's just him holding a picture of the console. But uh, if he if he does still have it, I'd be impressed. But uh, regardless, if he doesn't have it, he's going to get a Genesis iPhone case. So he can relive those memories. Maybe he'll send us a picture of him opening the package and looking happy. Uh, 20, for a follow-up. Yeah, for a follow-up photo. <laughs> maybe, maybe if he does that, I will give him an extra uh, gift. Maybe I'll give him like an iPhone game or something like that.
0: Mm, there you yeah. go.
1: I could gift him Sonic 2. If he doesn't have Sonic 2 on iOS, I will gift him it. There you go. There you go. And I'm sorry oh. to the other winners, but I'm sure they'll understand I just want to make a boy's dream come true.
0: You, your dream come true. You're the <laughs> a dream boy. maker. Well,
1: you know, I'm I'm inspired by Michael Jackson. It's my I I don't have a uh, a Neverland Ranch, so you know I need to. You need you, know.
0: to, you need to give away contests online.
1: <laughs> the Swingin' Report Show in Segovitz is my Neverland Ranch, where all the kids come to play. <laughs>
0: If you guys want to see the pictures of the winners, we'll be linking those in the descriptions of Absolutely. the YouTube video or wherever – or the post.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, yeah, and I, I guess that's it. That's the end of our show. And we actually have another show planned very, very soon. It's probably the shortest gap we've had between two shows. It is. I
0: don't know if I like this too much.
1: All right, man. Well, you know, that's what happens when you do interviews. We've become and, I this. Just
0: had, and I just had that uh, – that you t- you what is this Twitch? What do they call that thing? What do the hipsters call that? Those services? Stream. Streaming <laughs> streaming, or whatever, whatever. Yeah. Me and uh, Corey did uh, Streets of Rage 2, which should be posted on the site or before this gets posted up. I don't know. I was gonna upload it on YouTube, mm-hmm. and we're it, we're probably gonna. I don't know. We haven't decided what we're gonna call it yet. Uh, probably I'm thinking Sega Bits Plays, and then just the name of the game.
1: That awesome. works. Simple. That works
0: simple and uh yeah so it'll be up on our youtube probably on our site soon mm-hmm. Hope you guys enjoy that
1: yeah and join us next week we're going to have darren wall of the genesis mega drive kickstarter book our first returning guest so he'll Ooh. be coming back um and uh we're going to be talking uh genesis and we're going to be talking streets of rage so it's going to be it's going to be a fun discussion it's been a while since we last talked to him so i'm sure he's made a lot of progress on the book and maybe we'll try to uh, squeeze some exclusive info out of him. So, uh, yeah. So that that ends the show. This was our first show of Genesis Month, by the way. I know you didn't hear it, uh, George, but we had the new intro, which played before this. I just ruined the whole magic of the show. Um, oh, great. Yeah,
0: but uh, I think it's live.
1: But wait till you get a get a listen at the song, the closing song that's playing right now as we speak. Can you hear it? Oh, yeah, it sounds pretty good. Yeah, so why don't we uh, let that fade in while we say goodbye, and then uh, people can enjoy the song.
0: All right, goodbye. Bye. There we go.